Welcome to the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. On each and every episode, Brian talks with coaches, athletes, and performers in all arenas who are putting into practice the principles of peak performance that will help you close the gap from where you are to where you want to be to help you become a master of the mental game and to help you start dominating the day. Hey everybody, how you doing? Brian Kane, your peak performance coach here, and thanks for checking out this podcast episode with Jason Kersner, head coach of the Skipjacks Hockey Club in Baltimore, Maryland, and co-author of the mental game of ice hockey, competing one shift at a time. Jason, appreciate you taking time out of the middle of your season, man, to sit down and talk about the mental game of ice hockey. If you would, for our listeners, please get them caught up on the speed of your career and how you got to where you are today. Sure. And first of all, thanks so much for having me on, Brian. I'm a huge fan of yours and listen to every podcast. So it's definitely a privilege to uh, now become a part of one of the uh, great guests that you normally have. So, um, yeah, Jason Kerser coaching um, ice hockey um, since I was really young, started at 18. Um, I've been doing this now for 15 years. Um, I've done it mostly here in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, coaching um, at the AAA, Tier 1 AAA level um, with U16, U18 birth year players. Um, I've done a couple other things, had some other great experiences, um, had the opportunity to be a head coach and general manager in the North American League with the New Mexico Mustangs, uh, located out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I've also been on the scouting side, a uh, longtime um, scout in the USHL with uh, originally the Sioux City Musketeers and now the Madison Capitals. Um, so been coaching kind of the 16 to 20 age group for the last 15 years. And um, we've been fortunate enough to have a lot of success um, in helping develop young athletes and helping them obtain college commitments. And I think more importantly, just making them better people and better players. I love that approach, man. And you've definitely had some success. I mean, you, you've put players into, you know, big time division one college ice hockey programs, UNH university of Michigan. What are some of the places that you've sent players? Yeah, we've been fortunate enough to work with some great guys. We've had uh, a long stretch. I think we've sent five or six guys to the University of New Hampshire, as you mentioned. Um, we had a kid um, commit to the University of Michigan. We just had a, another one of our players this season commit to Boston College. Uh, we have a guy playing at Yale, which I know is a school you know very well. Um, St. Lawrence, Cornell. Uh, we've had... Uh, uh, fortunate enough to work a long time with Sam Annis at Quinnipiac University, who's uh, kind of a perennial Hobie Baker finalist, uh, now entering his junior year. So we've run the gamut. We've, we've worked with some great players and been able to sell, uh, help um, you know, them move on to all sorts of uh, really good Division One schools. You know, Jason, the thing I've been most impressed with, I think, in our last 10 years or so of working together is, you know, your ability to constantly be evolving and constantly growing. And, you know, one of the reasons why I asked you to help me co-author the Mental Game of Ice Hockey was that I think you see it from a lot of different areas. You coach a lot of different age, ages of kids. You're also on the scouting side. You've been on the professional side. Uh, would you talk a little bit about kind of not necessarily specific for an age group, but just the mental game of ice hockey in general. What is it to you? Well, for me, I think it's two things. I think a, it's the most important part of any player and probably at any sport and certainly ice hockey. And I also think it's the most undertaught 
part of the game. So in our player development pyramid, you know, the mind is the foundation of developing any serious student athlete. Um, and, and as you and I talk all the time, it's, it's just the one area we spend so much time on the ice with the guys. We're fortunate enough to spend a lot of time in the gym with them. We spend all this time developing our players in all areas, but you know, they're really left to their own devices when it comes to the mind. Um, and again, just it, it being so important and, and probably the separating factor for those that really ha- can have success and those that don't, um, you know, I would say is the mind. Um, so I, I think that's, you know, we're talking about all, all the things you and I are going to talk about in the book and here on this conversation and just having a plan to address those things and do a little, a lot, as you say, um, it's great. You know, we, we've been fortunate enough to work together for a long time and we have you come in and speak to our team, you know, get, give a large seminar for three, four hours and, and go over the mental game with them. Um, but if we were to stop there, it's over a week or two later. So we have to have some kind of plan and structure in place to spend at least a little bit of time every day in what we call daily mental practice um, to do a little lot and help grow players in this area. Talk a little bit about that daily mental practice and what's that, what that looks like because I couldn't agree with you more and I think in my development as a, as a sports psychologist or mental conditioning coach here and working in the game of ice hockey, you know, it, it's evolved from 10 years ago when we started the, you know, three or seven hour seminar to now it's more time with you guys as coaches and really leaving you with that plan in place so that you can help grow it on a daily basis. What does that daily mental practice look like for you with the skipjacks? Sure. So it's a lot of things. I mean, first of all, the biggest thing for us is kind of daily routines, and we want to give our players things that they can do on a daily basis to help enhance them. And it's it's simple things that they do away from the rink, things such as make their bed, write and keep an attitude of gratitude journal. Um, we give every player a copy of your book, The Daily Dominator, and make sure they read that every day. In addition, call uh, Dr. Rod Gilbert's success hotline. So there's those little kind of five to 10 minute things that we expect our players to do away from the rink to help grow them inside the mental game. In addition to the things that we do with them at the rink. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that we got from you was concentration grids. It's one of the things we do again, just trying to help our players, um, avoid distraction, work on their focus, work on their concentration. Um, so that's, that's one of the things we do as a part of our daily mental practice, at least a couple times a week. But then I would say the thing that we do every day is, um, in terms of our DMP, our daily mental practice is breathing exercises. So, um, and I know those are some of the things you talk about in, in both the hockey book as well as many of your other books. And, you know, we've worked with you long enough to help you have you, uh, make us some recordings and we do things like five, four, three, two, one breathing exercise. We'll do a, um, a tactical breathing exercise, We'll do an eight by ten breathing exercise. We will do some some imagery on an audio recording that 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 you've set up with us. So these are things that we do, and, and most of these are you know five, four, three, two, one breathing exercises, two minutes long, and we do it about ten minutes before our practice starts to help kind of relax everybody and get them into the present moment before we're about to hit the ice. So these are some of the things that we do on a daily basis. Back to doing a little bit a lot um, because I think you know we coach guys in that age group of you know 15 to 20 and although they're great kids and although they're really dedicated and passionate about the sport and want to get better um, we feel as much as we can control in terms of helping them uh, engage and and improve in the mental area the better off we are as opposed to hey go read this book on your own or do this on your own as much as we can give them in a short environment um, and short duration in, in our environment, we feel like the better off we're going to be. 
Yeah, and if you ask them to do it on their own, usually most of them, I don't think they will. So yep. I think there's got to be there's got to be the plan, and they might if you you know if you give them a book and say, hey, we're going to go through this book together, or give them something a program to follow, and then you reinforce and come back to it as the head coach, they'll do whatever you ask them to do. You've just got to make sure that you reinforce and come back to what it is you asked them to do. Yep. When you talk about controlling what you can control or the process over the outcome, what do you think are the essential aspects of playing one shift at a time? Yeah, for us, when we talk one shift at a time, I think we get back to so much of the routines that our players um, will have. And and those start, as we mentioned, away from the rink and pre-practice routines. But then certainly once comes game day, it's those shift-to-shift routines that that we believe will help our players play one shift at a time. So um, again, a lot of the stuff that that you'll discuss in the book, but things um, about recognizing your signal lights. You know, are we in red lights? Are we in yellow lights? Are we and green lights where are we as an athlete when we get back to the bench after every shift so to recognize where we're at and then have a plan which you know is our routines um to to get ourselves back under control and into an ideal performance state um for us as i think is the biggest thing when we talk about how to compete one shift at a time talk a little bit if you would about those kind of on ice Routines, because I know when we first started working together, I, I didn't go on the actual ice with you guys and your team. And then the most recent trip I had there, oh, I don't know, within the last month, uh, I was, actually was out on the ice going through some routines. So if you would talk a little bit about kind of how you would train the on ice and over the boards routines and releases with your guys, and then when I was able to get out there with you, did that did that help kind of make that more clear? I think that was the biggest thing. I think, you know, as we've all, as coaches evolve, I think that was one of the, the, the best things you've kind of brought to the game of ice hockey is the ability to go on the ice and onto the bench with the players and train them exactly what you mean by routines. Because it's something that uh, I think young players, especially even if they're watching a college hockey game, even if they're watching an NHL game, those are the things that I don't think they get to see. Um, I think if if our young players are watching, you know, a major league baseball game or college baseball game, they can see those things things a little bit better it's pretty easy to watch a pitcher or a guy step out of the box adjust his gloves get a deep breath in um but you don't really see it in hockey as well so i I think those are some of the things that that uh really separate when we talk about um you know one shift at a time so again things would be guy comes back maybe it's a a shift where it's it's a goal against or a, a scoring chance against a penalty something some kind of negative shift that would you know generally put a guy into either yellow or red lights what's his plan to get back to refocus for that next shift so first again recognizing that he's in a you know quote unquote negative state yellow or red and then having some kind of physical release so is that player going to take his gloves off as as a sign of his release maybe um wipe the snow off of his stick and throw it down maybe squirt a little water into his mouth spit it out some kind of physical activity that he's going to use to release that shift So that's part of it. Another part is certainly to have some kind of, um, you know, power statement, something that he can say to himself um, verbally that will help 
him to get himself back into a, a preferred green light state. And then, um, you know, the next part is a, a deep breath on a focal point. And, and that, that is probably the most important part. So we encourage our players to pick something that is present in every rink. So that might be a spot, you know, uh, a, a, the red line, the blue line, the top of the scoreboard, um, you know, the American flag, which is going to be in every rink. Look somewhere that's going to be the same in every single rink. Can you hear that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Coming and gone clear here and just taking some notes. Um so, so, so to look at, sorry, so to hear, to, to look at some kind of thing and to take a good deep breath, uh, to bring him back into that good state. Those are the kind of steps and the processes we take guys through, um, you know, to help them have those routines. Talk a little bit, if you would, about maybe yourself as a coach and having a, re- a release and a routine as a coach to help go one shift at a time. Cause similar to a goaltender where the goaltender is involved in every, every, shift in every play they play whistle to whistle a hockey player who's going over the boards is more of the one shift at a time mentality whereas a coach you're in it the whole time how do you use the mental game from a coaching perspective yeah great question and i think a lot of us uh, could use some more work on that um i think breathing's the biggest thing i think if we can um keep to some kind of rhythmic breathing on the bench it allows us to stay in the present moment um it's easy to get distracted as a coach um you know uh, officials certainly could would probably as from a coaching perspective be the thing that could set a coach off uh, probably more than anything else but certainly crowd noise um at, at an away game or anything like that so I, I think for a coach it's imperative to be in the present moment to, to be able to help your players and, and certainly if you can't be in control of yourself um, you know, you can't be in control of others from a leadership standpoint. So it's, 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 we can't be preaching for our players to be in control and have routines if, if we as coaches can't either. So, um, I, I think breathing, I think is the most important thing for a coach. And if we can keep kind of a good rhythmic breath, it'll allow us to stay focused on what our job is on any, on any given second behind the bench. Um, it's a fast sport and we want to be, um, totally under control and thinking clearly as to every decision we make and try to take that emotion out of all of our decisions yeah it's kind of like competing with a controlled rage where you know you're a high level intensity a high level of focus and work ethic but you're under control the whole time yep what um talk a little bit about kind of from your player's perspective you know when you first started doing the mental game about 10 years ago i think i was on the side on the sideline uh, not on the bench but up behind the bench with the university of vermont playing at uh the university of new hampshire and there was a, a commercial i think that came on or not a commercial but it was spot during the game on maybe nesson or fox or espn whatever whatever it was on and they showed coach kevin snedden of the university of vermont talking about passing a foam toilet around the locker room to be able to to flush it after a bad shift or a bad period and i think i got an email from you uh within minutes of that being online and i may even have called you from the game or we talked the next day when your players first when you first told them 10 years ago hey we're going to do the mental game how has their reaction evolved and changed from then till now? Yeah, I think that was the toughest thing was trying to um, take our young athletes and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring in this guy to speak about that. And we definitely got some some kind of cross-site looks from guys as to, you know, how is breathing? How is these things you're talking about? How is a concentration grid going to help me play better? Um, and, and you know, we still, um, in addition to, to coaching the, here at the Skipjacks, we also have a, a summer training program that my brother and I run. And uh, some of those athletes that um, were with us in your first visit 10 years ago are now 24, 25 years old. 
old, still coming back to train with us in the summers and now playing professional hockey. And those same guys that were there on day one are now here 10 years later. And, um, you know, I think they went through the process of at first we had to convince them that this was good. And now they're in that state of, I can't believe I did it any other way. And there's no, there's no part of their training regimen um, that they would not include all of the stuff that we've, we've worked on and learned from you. Is there any, you know, for coaches that might be listening to this that are, you know, been coaching for a long time and, and looking maybe to try to get a competitive advantage or take their coaching game to the next level through the mental game. What are some of the hesitations that you see with coaches out there now, if there are any, about trying to tap into sports psychology or the mental game of ice hockey? I think it's an area where you absolutely can get a competitive advantage. And sometimes I think people are just maybe a little little bit hesitant to get into it. Um, What what, what are you seeing in coaches in general? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think uh, over the last few years, I think it's become a little bit more popular and, and people are a little bit more open-minded to things like this. I think originally, and maybe years ago, there was a lot of hesitation to it. You know, hockey is certainly a a kind of has an old school mentality and it's, it's definitely a, a tough and rough sport. And, you know, to take a, you know, a, a bunch of tough guys and have them sit down and talk about breathing or concentration grids or something is a little bit different. And it's a little bit different, I'm sure, with all the sports and all the guys that you've worked with. And a lot of football guys might not be, you know, offensive linemen who are, are, are big, you know, kind of rough and tough guys probably don't make that direct connection between that kind of mental side and their performance. But being able to show them that direct connection as to, hey, we're doing this because this is going to help you play better, I think is the big thing. And, and I think it's become more open-minded from a coaching perspective and certainly from a player's perspective. And, you know, it's like anything. you you gotta you got to give it a try and you got to stick with it through the process because um, just because you, you come in, Brian Kane comes in and speaks to our team for three hours and we do a breathing exercise, it doesn't mean you're going to score a hat-trick in the next game. So you, you have to kind of stick with it a little bit and, and, and let it run its course. Um, but like anything, um, it, you know, no different than, than bench press. You can't bench press one time and expect to be stronger. Um, if you stick with it and, again, do a little a lot, I think guys start to recognize that this is a better way to go about training and you know, get to that point where they, they wouldn't do it any other way, And especially as you get to the higher levels. It's one thing um, you know, at our level, at a U16 or U18, a high school level. It's another thing when you get to a college level and even another thing when you get to a professional level where the difference in physical talent is so little. The, the, the difference between the guys that are playing in the National Hockey League and the guys playing in the American Hockey League is is not oftentimes um, going to be skill. It's it's going to be these areas. Is, you know who's a better professional, who has better living habits. All of the things that we discuss in the mental game, I think, can be the competitive advantage and separating factors on on the guys that make it versus the guys that don't. Well, it's going to help them to show up more consistently. And when you start talking about professional sport, whether it's the NHL, Major League Baseball, the NFL, or mixed martial arts fighting and having a chance to work with all those guys, it's not often the best guy that makes it. It's the guy that, that shows up the most consistent. you know. And the guy, we, we say the, team, the best team doesn't win in hockey, it's a team that plays the best. You know, Was Yale University a few years ago the best team in college ice hockey? I don't know. You know, if you look at the academic requirement to get into Yale and you look at the scholarships that they don't have um, compared to some of the other schools, you know, you wouldn't think that that Yale University or an Ivy League school would compete for an NCAA national championship, let alone win one. So I think it goes to show that there's an element of 
athletic performance in ice hockey that's more than just the physical side it's the mental side it's it's showing up on a daily basis and being consistent having a plan having a process that you execute to make sure that you're playing your best when it means the most which is every time you go over those damn boards one shift at a time and i think when when any sport when you're talking about you know competitive uh physical athletes lacrosse football mma fighting ice hockey there's there's always that aspect of it where they they have to experience it first. But when you talk with those athletes that have played at the highest level and have been around, they know what it's like to fail. They know what it's like to lose control of their emotions. They know what it's and take a stupid penalty. They know what it's like to go out in a game and, and not feel all that confident. And then do they have a process to be able to get themselves back? And as we talk about, confidence is not a feeling. Confidence is an action. And you carry yourself with huge body language. You are in the present moment one shift at a time, and breathing helps you to get there. And you act different than how you feel. Feelings are not facts. What's fact is that you trust the preparation and the hay that you've been putting in the barn all week, and then you go out there and you get after it one shift at a time and see what happens. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, to your point, I, I think there's no greater compliment a coach can give a player to more than that he's consistent. To know that we're going to get the same thing out of a player every single day, I think speaks a lot towards a player and towards him being a a pro. And and whether that's at the pro level, the college level, our level, um, you know, a consistent player is one that is going to earn a coach's trust and will use him in um, you know the most important scenarios and situations that come up in a game because we know he's consistent and we know what we're going to get out of him and and everything that. That, that we do together in terms of the mental game of hockey is geared towards trying to get players to be at their best as consistent as possible. Awesome. Jason, if you could remove the skull cap of any player or coach listening to this podcast right now and plant one seed, one seed of success inside of their mind that would help them close the gap from where they are to where they want to be, what would that one seed be? Well, the one seed would be to spend time on the mind. That would be that would be the thing. And again, you know, everyone's going to be in a different spot with what resources they have. Um, but it, but as we talk all the time in, in today's um, you know instant technology digital world that we live in, um, there's so much that they can get on their own, even if their program is not providing them. When it comes to YouTube videos, when it comes to your books, and and there's a lot of other great guys teaching you know sports psychology and peak performance. So at least having some awareness that this is an area that they're not addressing and looking to spend time on it. And again, if this if if it's not coming from the program because of a lack of resources, that's totally understandable. But it does not excuse the athlete from not investing in himself and sharpening his own axe um, to be the best he can be. So, you know, read a book, get Brian Kane's Monday message, listen to, to your podcasts, do something to invest in the mind, because I, I think you're going to find it hard pressed across any sport to say that the mind is not the foundation of, of building an elite athlete. And if, if we all agree that that's the foundation, um, why is it that we are spending you know, 5% or less than that on, on developing that one area. 
Well, we're spending you know three hundred dollars on a hockey stick, or uh, you know yep. more than that sometimes on a pair of skates or whatever it is, and we got to be able to spend twenty dollars on a book to help us maybe sharpen the the greatest skate that we have, which is the six inches between our ears. So, yep. for anybody listening to this, you know, as we do with any of our training tools at BrianKane.com, if they invest in the mental game of ice hockey and it's not the best investment they've ever made, then we'll refund their investment, no questions asked, because we're about helping people get results here. We're not trying to sell books we're trying to sell a lifestyle and trying to train people into how to live their life with the six inches between their ears if they want to give themselves the best chance for success on the ice so invest in the book if it's not what you're looking for send it back to us we'll send you your money back no questions asked jason appreciate you taking time man you're making a huge difference in the lives of the people that you coach and I think that through the process of when the book gets out there and people get a chance to get into it, hopefully it it catches and they can have a chance to bring you in to work with their team or uh, speak with their coaching staff. And if what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? It's if they wanted to pick your brain more on the mental game. Yeah, you can check us out obviously online, skipjackshockey.com, pinnaclepersformancehockey.com. My email address is Jason J A S O N underscore Kersner K E R. S-N-E-R at yahoo.com. That's my personal email address that I use across multiple platforms. So best way to get me. Um, you know, we're, we're uh, both of those uh, Skipjacks and Pinnacle are, are on Twitter. So feel free to contact me. Like you said, um, I, 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 first of all, I really appreciate you. I appreciate everything you've done. You've made a huge impact in, in, in my coaching and uh, have become a great mentor to me. And, and I'm a much better person, a much better coach because of our relationship. And, and I appreciate, uh, you know, most importantly, what you've done for our athletes because we're, we're all in this, as you said, for the same reason. We're trying to make people better. We're trying to make people um, be, as as consistent and as best as they can on every single day certainly as as hockey but as you know we spend a lot of time talking to guys about how to how to plan their 168 how to study better how to become just a better overall student athlete and be the best they can be so i appreciate all the time you've spent with us and on behalf of our athletes um you know again it's just appreciated and i look forward to 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 the book getting out there and uh making a small difference and helping guys get better and um you know i have had the opportunity to step in and work with some other teams so i'm, I'm, I'm always interested in um speaking with other teams and other coaches and reaching out as to how we can take some of the stuff you and i have put into practice and 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 help bring it to their organizations just the same awesome jason thanks again for your time man i'm humbled by your comments and uh, looking forward to seeing you again soon my man take care brother thanks today's podcast is sponsored by potential apparel potential apparel is on a mission to inspire athletes to reach their true potential If you're serious about reaching yours, then you have to go check them out. They make awesome clothing for dedicated and committed athletes. I'm a huge supporter of what they're doing, and that's why I wear their clothing with pride. Make a statement and join the movement today at PotentialApparel.com. Be sure you use promo code Brian Kane with a space between Brian and Kane for 15% off on your first order. Dominate the day with potential apparel. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. Please make sure that you visit BrianKane.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-C-A-I-N.com and sign up for my Monday message where every Monday I deliver straight to your inbox videos, interviews, articles, tips, techniques, and strategies that you to master the mental game. You can also contact me through 
through my website on our contact us page and see my calendar of where I'm going to be in the country and when I'm coming to your area so that we can get together and that we can continue to go out there and dominate the day. This is a production of Corn Belt Sports. The Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast is part of the Top Coach Network.